best not miss. Well, I'm a bunch of little crowd playing motherfucker, motherfucker. Welcome to the party, pal. The mind-bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed. I am one of your hosts, Michael Shields. Welcome to the party, pal. As a proud member of the Osiris Media Group, check out all they got going on. They got some exciting live events going, new podcast that is over at OsirisPod.com. That's OsirisPod.com. Check it out today. We are going to be talking about the crime and legal drama created by Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould called Better Call Saul, the spinoff prequel and sequel to Breaking Bad. To do that, I have a, a reoccurring guest. He was part of the Ozark episodes, writer, editor, film enthusiast, LP Hanners. LP, welcome to the show. Welcome back. Thank to you, the man. Show. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Of, of course, of course. So, uh, you know, I both I know we we both have an affinity for the whole uh, Albuquerque verse and and Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. We, me and you, have been talking and writing about it for a long time, but I think we've come to the end of it, and it, which is kind of uh, you know bittersweet because it was a special ending. But it's tough to you know uh, think about this, not revisiting this world, which might be the case. I know Vince and Peter have talked about moving on to other projects, but uh, many television critics see this as you know, now that we've seen what Better Call Saul is in its entirety as one of the, the greatest dramas to grace the small screen. And I'm pretty sure that you agree, if I'm correct. And and if so, I was wondering if you could kind of start us off by talking about why, uh, why it's so special. Well, yeah, that's exactly, it is special. And it's a tricky question to talk about it because it's also a debate for a good reason to discredit the show as well you know it's a mm. prequel yep and but it all begins you know with a flash forward ahead for declaring itself to be a prequel too you know it's telling yeah. you it's going to get back to breaking bad yep and and starting off a prequel with a non-prequel scene yeah it's like it really doubles down um you know and choosing to live in breaking bad shadow you know, mm. for better or worse and i think the worst quote unquote would reveal itself to be really not so bad over the years, you know? And because I think in the beginning, like that we had some anxiety about that and a lot of other people did too, but it really kind of like, oh, like this is what this show is, you know, as it went around. And um I'll disagree with anyone that thinks it was just a good experiment. I think a really yeah. good narrative came out of it that was different than Breaking Bad. Definitely. Um but yeah, to call it one of the best dramas is a continuation of the discussion of the predecessor. You know, it's it's, it's Breaking Bad Part Two, yep, or or Part Zero Point Five. I don't know, part <laughs> negative Zero Point Five. How do you want to, you know, say that? Um, it turned yeah, out there's... not just be not just be a prequel, but even a sequel to Breaking Bad, as I mentioned in the intro. I mean, they 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 took it, you know, further, um, you know, and 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 finished off a storyline that that was unfinished in Breaking Bad. If you if you were to go to the middle of Breaking Bad, huh? my favorite episode, Fly three ten. I love Fly, yeah. And you were to make just like a whole show about Fly, that's pretty much what Better Call Saul <laughs> is. It's just you're literally floating around mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. like just like a fly on the wall, like checking out these characters. And by the yeah. end of it, by this season, you were like, oh, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I, it I almost, thought at least, you know. Yeah, of course, it almost had like an uphill battle in that way in being a prequel. Um, you know, you said it perfectly. It was living in the shadow, and and 
And but it but it quickly I I thought it became its own thing. I mean, it was so so procedural in the legal uh, aspect of things, mm-hmm. and it really mm-hmm. found its own kind of uh, pacing. I mean, it's, it's just people talk about the pacing of it a, a lot. Just it was methodical, and and it's the way it drove forward, and just you know, it started to have its own uh, rhythm to it when you know we went into a lot of Saul's different schemes, and you know, I mean, they almost did a whole season just on that. Um, what was that one case they had with the with the nursing home? I mean, it really it 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 was it it was living in this world and it brought in characters, you know. Uh, but it definitely became its own beast and and its own own thing. Um, by the end of it, especially when you look at it now, and and and, we, and you know, I really want to dig into the finale uh, um eventually here. Uh, because I mean the what we learned about the character of Saul was 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 a different take on things and and they really they kind of split in a bigger way once we saw what was going on there but it just it was if you were to talk about why it's so special I mean the, the filmmaking of 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 it is just amazing the cinematography Marshall Adams and Paul Denoshi and and just that whole team they're they're absolute wizards and we saw it in Breaking Bad but it just it just continued in this way the way they deal with the the natural uh, skylines and, and wide open spaces of of uh, of New Mexico, but also just these impossible shots that they continue to do and, and putting cameras in places where we haven't seen. And it's just it's 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 wild. I, I know you, you you find the cinematography pretty special in uh, in both Big and Bad, but in, in Better Call Saul. Yeah, and it was a it was also a challenge and it's not so apparent, but I mean, they shot this whole show on digital. And Breaking Bad was shot on a thirty-five millimeter, yep. um, which is um, and you don't you don't catch it, but they actually did bring in thirty-five millimeter whenever they did go in and do shots that were within the Breaking Bad timeline, just yep. to help establish that consistency. Mm. Um, but I think also because they weren't shooting in thirty-five, they have more freedom to do those like crazy shots where they like put a you know a, cub, a camera on a bicycle or, mm-hmm. or on a car or on a piece of mail or or on um, Marion's uh, cart when she's uh, going along yep. in a near the end. So awesome. Yep. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's really really special. So let's um, it, I love that you just mentioned how how committed they were to the consistency and they what they use thirty five millimeter for uh for the Breaking Bad uh scenes. But let's dance through a couple of the episodes. We're you know we're talking about season six here. I know we're gonna really focus in on on the finale and what happened. Um, but there's just so many special moments, and I want to point to some of them and and talk about talk about it because season six was a wild wild ride. I loved it. Um, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It really, it's, it's, it start, starts off with um, wine and roses. And, and I know the cold opening uh, is something we should talk about. That's uh, where we finally got a glimpse into, uh, into someone's uh, home. And so we knew right away we were going to get, uh, you know, filled in on, on, on pieces of uh, Saul's, you know, future life as Saul, we were going to be taken into Saul's world eventually, which we were waiting for for a pretty long time in Better Call Saul. So, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like, I mean, it's just like, it's like the, it's the standard Breaking Bad, or I guess the standard Vince and Peter cold opening yeah, because yeah. it's, it's filled with Easter eggs. It's like the every, and, and, and as you go on, you're like, oh, this guy was very sad. And yeah. he was, and he was apparently he was fantasizing about 
Saul was fantasizing about Jimmy, which mm-hmm. parallels what we see in the very, very beginning where, where um, Gene is fantasizing about Saul, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, wow. and cool. but like the, a lot of these drugs are obvious, but I think too, that you, you wouldn't see it was like one, like there's a bunch of candles in one of the rooms and they're really beautiful candles, but they're being held but like a $10 Walmart table when you're yeah. just like, if you, when you look at it, it's like, what? And then, and then another one, I don't know if you noticed it, but the, the actual house they're in is the house from um, 502, which I think is called 50% off mm-hmm. where uh, Jimmy takes Kim to look at a house. And that's the yep. one where like that's they awesome. get kicked out and everything. Same house. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. Absolutely. Um, everything, everything is a shrine to Kim. And then that very end of that scene, you know, when, when you see the uh, the tequila cap. Yeah. It's yeah. like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> the cold opens are just absolutely stunning in there. The next one I could think about is um, uh, in Axe and Grind. Um, that was uh, Giancarlo Esposito's directorial de- debut. He, he didn't even, uh, occur, um, he wasn't even in the episode. But that cold opening, that was uh, the sixth episode of the season, was with um, Young Kim. And I love mm-hmm. how much, you know, with the mom, that with the thief and, you know, um, it's a real Kim episode. Uh, it, it, you know, that's the one where Kim's car turns around right at the end. That was awesome. But I just mentioned that because because of the cold open there. But we can't skip over the the um, what is it? The third episode of the season. That's uh, rock in a hard place. That's uh, that's mm-hmm. the that's the Nacho episode. Nacho was such a special character to better call Saul. I I think a lot of us were really taken by him. Michael Mando played him so impressively. He was one of the reasons I really um, fell in love with the show. The second half of, of, you know, kind of the last most seasons Um, that was, that was pretty tough to lose uh, Nacho. What'd you think of the way kind of he went out and that, that episode uh, in consummate. And in retrospect, I think about it a lot and I think it really, forms what Gus would say later, you know, as he as he's killing um spoiler uh, Lalo and then further spoiler Don Ladia. Yeah. You know, in breaking bad. Yeah. It's like, Holy. oh, there's that vengeance. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh but yeah, Michael Lando's first language is French. Oh really? Yeah. Well yeah. <laughs> he I I he's so dedicated to that that like I, I didn't even you know think about things like what yeah <laughs> I didn't know but, that at all. but um um Hugh also is in this episode yeah, I think right. it might be Hugh's only appearance in the season and yep. um and he drops a, a real nugget like um like uh Nacho's father would and mm-hmm. um I think it's seven oh eight or no I think seven oh nine six oh nine sorry six oh nine yeah I definitely want to talk about that that's uh oh when you meet meets um. Mike meets Nacho's dad. Is that what you're speaking of? Uh, yeah, that that yeah. very last. Yeah, that, that's that's amazing. That's fun and games. Um, so we yeah, I wanted I wanted to just I thought this was I love the way and I I think we've even talked about it. Some of these breaking up of seasons. Of course, we've talked about it because Ozark um went that way, and you know there's there's pros and cons of this. But uh, I thought the break was played really really well here in two ways. I mean. The last episode before the the the, the split was point um, was a plan and execution, and that's uh, when Lalo kills Howard. But what I thought was really really awesome, and just uh, it picked back up with point and shoot, and that was directed by Vince. Um, 
another great cold opening with Howard's car at the beach. Um, that was actually the final shot, the final scene filmed um, in, in post-production for Better Call Saul. But uh, in that episode, that's where Gus killed Lalo. And the reason I was so taken by that is, is that's bec- because the Lalo arc was done and we still knew we had, wait, one, two, three, four, five episodes left. And so you knew that there was going to be, there was a plan for something else. And I know we discussed it at the time that we were probably going to be able to see more of, um, you know, Saul's life moving forward after Breaking Bad or, you know, I didn't know where they were going to go. That was just my hunch. And and luckily we did, but I love that they, that at that point, such a a crucial arc that went through all the way through season five and, and the first part of season six was already done. And we had so much, they had so much space left to play left. I thought that was really well played. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also um, behind the scenes, like that, that break really represents the point in filming that Bob had his heart attack. He did. It was, it wasn't a, it took place in a point and shoot. And uh, we got to give a shout out to Rosa Estrada, the safety health, uh, uh, supervisor who you know she resuscitated him with uh with an aed that's that's a big big deal that's that's yeah that's wild even third even further uh, patrick fabian um, uh-huh. was playing a dead body right next to him obviously really? and, and was the one closest to him and would informed everybody like hey there's something wrong here damn damn i didn't realize that yeah that's right they were in the the, the house of the scene that's you know they're so glad so glad bob uh was able to bounce back. So fun and games was, was a really, really um, cool episode. That's um, I, I just, I bring it up because there was a scene that really struck, struck me. And it, it was, it was, it was it, not the scene where Mike visits Nacho's dad, which is just amazing. Where Nacho's dad lays down the truth about who really Mike is. And, you know, you're one of them kind of type thing, but that's where Gus visits a wine bar. And he sees a, a friend who's a, um, uh, you know, some IA and it's just, I, I, you know, there's a lot to take away there. It's a weird kind of a weird scene, but what, what I, what really, what, what made me think of is that Gus, as much as he wanted, you know, and as any human would want to have connection and all that and friendships and things like Gus's life wasn't, you know, steered towards something like that. It was, it was, it was, it's, it's a lonely existence when you, when you're at the top or live in this world and, I mean, we've watched him, you know, walk away from 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 something that obviously was a connection that meant something to him. And that was tough to think about. And it's it's humanizing of, of Gus. And it's just something that that struck me. Did that scene strike you? Absolutely. I remember when I was watching it, I was very taken aback. and I felt kind of like backstabbed by the show for for, for a millisecond <laughs> because i was like what are they doing like this yep. is like the only it felt like like a filler scene almost i was like why are they doing this yep. and then i and then i started like really like getting into the scene and and then i remember very specifically like when the uh, uh whatever his name was that the waiter used the words meaty and bloody uh-huh, to describe uh-huh. that wine you could see just gush just <laughs> and then that when one. it like shows that last shot of him like drinking it he was just like he had that look on his face like oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I taste it <laughs> yeah absolutely it was it was I, I i've watched that scene like three or four times and it's yep. 
and it's it's a it's a beautiful scene. It's Gus's last scene. It is not the last scene he shot. That the very last scene he shot. Ironically, he's staring into the pool. Oh really? And if you oh. if yeah if you if you look at it closely, he, he's he's kind of got some tears in his eyes. Wow. And obviously that goes along with the scene. So yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad. I'm, I'm that honestly that that really sits you know it sits with me still, and just it's it's really telling to you know who Gus is and what what he went through with this whole thing and and, and what he had it to was the cl- it, he had it was the closest it was the closest you see him get to like trying to be comfortable trying yeah. to relax exactly and then as soon as it happens as soon as it looks like he's in there he's just like uh, yeah. I, I gotta I get out <laughs> I don't get to live this life which is good so what what followed that is um nippy and this really took us into uh you know uh the flash forward to nebraska in 2010 and that was that i mean this, this is cr- crucial stuff i i love um i just want to speak to how much how how, how impressive this filmmaking is they shot that that uh mall scene that was supposed to be in new mexico in cotton cottonwood mall i mean that was supposed to be in nebraska in cottonwood mall in new mexico they the way they find ways in new, new mexico has its own look but the way they find ways to make new mexico look like different parts of the country or the world is wild they did it with florida they did it with nebraska it's really impressive but um we got carol burnett and we didn't realize here how big of a big of a uh role she would play in the whole thing but you had to assume getting someone like carol burnett to be a part of it uh was a big deal but you mentioned to me uh that nippy might be your favorite episode and i'd love to hear you talk a little bit about it well, first of all, let's give more another shout out to like the crew that makes the show. And you said right. they go around everywhere trying to make everything look like like um like Nebraska, and then um um the uh, New New Hampshire, New Hampshire, New Hampshire. Yeah. and uh, and um, but that that mall, right? That department store that the highs mm-hmm. took place in, that yep. was a fake store. They had yep. to make that store from scratch. The store, if you go and look back, the place doesn't even have a name. And that was that literally, like I said, uh, Nippy was my favorite or is my favorite episode uh-huh. of the series, but it's also like the most expensive episode of the series because of that mall scene, because of they had to like make that department store from scratch. Uh-huh. And it's, uh, yeah, it would have been impossible if it was an actual store, like like a Macy's or something. Yeah, but, um, and, so they do. But um, let's talk about that that montage in the middle of it. The, mm-hmm. the I call I call it Cinnabons for days. <laughs> it's it's it like as far as like the Breaking Bad montages go, like uh-huh. it's it's right up there with Crystal Blue Persuasion. Yeah, in in five oh eight, like yep. it's. It's perfect. And yeah. the music, which was uh, handpicked by uh, Peter Gould himself. Uh-huh. Peter Gould has a really like specific taste of music that he like inserts into a lot of the episodes. He did it with Wine and Roses, two in the beginning, obviously. Yeah. Um, very, but a very specific taste for like the 50s and 60s, like big band and like uh, um, movie and uh, show scores and stuff. That's classic. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah, awesome, awesome episode that meant a lot to to you know where we were going with the whole thing. That was followed by an episode just called Breaking Bad, which is uh, just it's such a clever callback to when we first meet um, Better Call Saul in Breaking Bad, the show. Uh, it's in an episode called Better Call Saul. So in Breaking Bad, we knew we were going to get uh, to spend some more time with 
Jesse and Walt, which is what what a what a treat. Really, really what a treat. It was, I don't know how much it forwarded the storyline, but it filled in filled in a little bit of holes. But it definitely it did, one thing did come of it, and that was that Saul had more to do with kind of bringing Walt and Jesse into the fold than we might have known. And that's something that was definitely highlighted in 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 that one. And then um, you know, the 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 scene, there was another uh, important scene in that where uh, Saul calls Francesca and we find out uh, a little bit more and, and, you know, about his, his, you know, Kim and the whole thing. But that, that was, I, I just look at it. Like I said, the, that, that episode was just like a treat. It was a gift. It was felt, felt like some serious fan service and I was here for it. what do you think of that one? Oh yeah. Well, let's talk about Francesca. Um, the actress's name is Tina Parker. Uh-huh. And the performances that she gave in both shows, like as far as like what she did for making each timeline that we saw her in distinct, there's some there's some real art there. True. And I think she might be one of, like one of the greatest unsung heroes of the whole thing because like she, there's some serious glue there, like the attitude she gave and uh-huh. the attitude that she wasn't giving in the beginning. There's it's. it's Two, maybe three different characters there, you know, given the one that we saw like here, you know, she was just took the money and she was out and she, she was, yeah. I love it. Yeah, no, like you said, glue, there was a lot of exposition and just that phone call. She was giving us, you know, telling us what happened to to certain characters in Breaking Bad. She was like really filling in some holes and, and, and you know, letting us know what happened to people. And and that is is a nod to her being how how important of a character she was. It was really intense. It was really intense to see how um you know Saul was freaking out at the end when he when he called Kim and we got to we got to see the other side of that phone call, which is really, really awesome. Um that led into Waterworks, um, which it really, I mean, that's if 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 uh Rhea Seahorn doesn't win an Emmy, I think it's it's highway robbery. And this is this is the episode that, that should be submitted for, for that. Uh it's her on that bus welling up. I mean, this is the one where she, you know, uh uh we see her in Florida. It's just it's such a unique uh episode. It's 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 came deserve this in the penultimate. Um this one was directed by Vince too. Um it was just it was uh, it was I don't know. Kim was such a special and important part of this series and having her be, you know, we thought at one point she kind of like left him and, you know, it could have been that, but the show, she was too important to the show and her coming back and being, you know, the, you know, focus of the penultimate episode in this way. And then, uh, you know, we, we all know what happened in the finale, but uh, Waterworks was, was Kim's episode and, and she absolutely crushed it. And like I said, she needs Ray, Ray needs to get that Emmy. Yeah, we got to talk about that Jesse and Kim scene, though. Of course, we do. They uh, because as is like you said, it's it wasn't really like it didn't need to be there in the storyline. Nope. But then, like, forward, but this was the Vince episode, and and Vince is very nostalgic, and, and I think that a lot of elements of that episode were, and it really kind of went really slow. But it, that served to, like you said, build Kim's world. And, and um, she said in an interview, like before everything happened, they're like someone was asking her like the question, you know, like, what is your fate? Do you die? Do you live? And she wow. answered. She said, well, some fates are worse than death. Mm, yes. And and that's what um what she was referring to. That's what it was. Know, so she was. really. 
she embodies that black and white world more than Jean does, uh-huh, uh-huh. which was which is surprising, and it was a waterworks, yeah, you know? um, just like we got. Um, but that scene with with the with Jesse and Kim really serves to align, you know, the audience. Like you know, like this is your Jesse character. This was a character that wasn't really meant to last to the end, but this is the heart of the show, and I think it was just kind of like a heart to heart. Basically. Yeah, you could also draw some parallels between them, how they were drawn in, and you know how exactly. they remained true to their their heart. You saw like, kind of saw their humanity the whole time. You can't say that about all these characters. There's times when you don't see, uh, you know, uh, the the human side of Walt and the human side of Saul. They just, you know, they're 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 almost become monsters uh, or just, you you know uh, what I'm what I mean there, but like well, it's, yeah, I mean that's humanity. That's what, uh, and Jesse is like it's so endearing and, and there the whole time. Yeah, that that's it's. I mean, and the, there wasn't a lot of humanity between Chuck and Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Kim was there to witness that, and Kim was there to try to repair that. Mm-hmm. But what but what she ended up doing was just kind of just like, you know, feeding in to his ego and then she got one then he fed into it it was just kind of like like it was fun and games you know yeah. until it wasn't yep yep absolutely so we got there the uh the finale Saul gone it was uh <laughs> it's a lot of people <laughs> it's great a lot of people uh um you know a lot of critics and a lot of people are saying that that, that they really brought it home in a special way and I believe they did it's um it was it was surprising uh to me the the you know, the way that we kind of saw, you know, uh, uh, Saul become Jimmy again in a certain way. And, you know, he found a way, both of them actually, to clean their conscience a little bit. But I saw Peter talking about this episode and he was just like talking about why it was so, um, you know, it was filmed and, and, you know, why they went the legal route and it was more conversational than kind of guns blazing. But he was like, Saul is a man of words and the ending to me needed to be more dialogue focused. And that makes sense to me. It was about character, not action or spectacle. Um, and it, 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 it really, it found, you know, Saul, you mentioned it earlier where he was, they were kind of thinking he was dreaming about Gene was dreaming about, or, you know, all those different characters. And cause he is he's this multifaceted person, but he did find a way to kind of, you know, clean his conscious and come back to more, more who Jimmy was by what he did there. And, you know, he chose a, a long-term incarceration uh, to regain his humanity. And I think that is, a brilliant way for the show to end in the right, the right way. Not that there's a right and wrong way for a story to end, but it just felt right uh, and true to his character. What do you think? Well, first off, I'm going to say um, Mad Men. Right. Do you remember uh, the last uh, episode of Mad Men? Damn right. Do you I remember do. what brought us there. Uh, Ted Shaw uh-huh. saying to Don Draper, uh, he, he made that like pitch to him a couple, a few episodes before he was like, Every man has three women in his life, uh-huh. and so I felt like uh, with the with the the time machine element, right? Yeah. And he, every, yeah. all the conversations he has with Mike one, mm-hmm. um, Walt two, and then Chuck yeah. three. I saw Crucial. I saw this Crucial, I saw this huge parallel. I drew this parallel between the last episode of Mad Men in that respect, and uh, Saul Gone here. Yep. 
thought the time machine was that way of realigning everything and then getting everything back to Jimmy or James Miguel. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, for him to really just uh, have the character just come out again, but in a different way, in a yeah. better way. You know, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. It was really interesting to see because, I mean, the show is about regrets a lot and you know that what we're talking about you know what would you change and mike was talking about his first bribe as a cop walt was talking about the company and you know the what that led him to and what he ended up chasing and so i was talking about money which was wild but but i just i, I want to talk real quick about this how brilliant these people these these filmmakers are the the use of like the the fact that it almost seems ballsy if you think about it. The fact that they set so much of this in black and white, um, you know, this uh, uh, drama that that so many people are watching that they that they took the risk to to set this whole period of time in black and white. But I love the way there was two moments where they played with color a little bit. One was in Waterworks where Carol Burnett is in the kitchen and she's watching the Better Call Saul uh, videos. And when he watches it, he's in black and white and he's wearing glasses. And you can see color in the screen of him watching the Better Call Saul thing because it was in the past. And I thought that was brilliant. And then in the finale and and, and a really uh, poignant scene, the cigarette sharing scene, which was the last scene filmed during principal photography, they used a brief use of color on the cigarette, which I really thought was really cool. But as much as they these these endings were different uh, of of uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul to me. There's a there's a line that can be drawn between them because both are about coming to terms with kind of the just the the the, the intense damage that both men uh, were responsible responsible for and uh, and them accepting the consequences of their behavior. They did it in very very different ways, but they did uh, you know find ways to to accept um, uh, uh, what what was coming to them for 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 the, for the life they chose to live and, and and chose to enjoy so i thought i thought there was a parallel between between the two but but definitely done in very very different ways they brought it home they really brought it home yeah i felt that courtroom scene it almost took on like a logic of a, a logic of its own yeah. um yeah like it was kind of just this unraveling it starts as a performance for kim and then he just kind of turns into a baby. Like he's like doing stupid things for his mom's <laughs> attention. But the like like the only con that mattered though was getting back into Kim's heart. Yeah. And so it just no he doubt. just pushed it and pushed it and pushed it until it was just like he was just confessing. Yep. Basically. And he was shedding all of his layers like a snake. Mm. You know, and like just taking okay. all the suits off, you know, yeah. and then just getting even going from Jimmy to a James, you know yeah yeah and um oh, yeah and the only reaction out of kim was just that smile at the end or and not even a real smile but he just completely sabotaged and sabotaged himself to going from seven years to 86 years suddenly yeah yeah absolutely it's, it, it felt like a felt like a gift to get his humanity back as, as someone who you know really enjoys the character and and the whole thing but all in all uh what a what a really masterful show now, now that i think about the whole thing i, I know we talked about it I, I dancing into the first couple of seasons it took me a little while but by the end of it i was i was so so all in i mean think about the characters they gave us with nacho we have to talk about lalo i mean 
he was just to- the way Tony Dalton played him was so cocksure and 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 captivating. I mean, just G- G- uh, John Carlo and and Jonathan Banks just coming back and just making it look easy to slip right back into these characters. And you know, I talked so much about these other characters that surround Saul, but I mean, Bob Odenkirk during this was just absolutely incredible. He's so good that he almost just. It just you, you forget that 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 it's I mean, especially the way that he slipped into, uh you know, back into the, you know, to speak to the Breaking Bad episode, he slipped back to, you know, Saul at that time. Saul was different in, in different times and it was Jimmy at different times. And the way he was able to slip into each of those moments was just absolutely stunning. And it just it was the the, the, the show does deserve, um, as we were talking about early to, to to at least be in the conversations of of these great dramas of all of all time do you have any um kind of closing thoughts to 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 the show to the finale to to anything better calls all well you were talking about earlier like um ray seahorn should win the emmy for the waterworks episode i yeah. think Odenkirk should win the Emmy for the Nippy episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's where he gives his most layered performance. Mm-hmm. Right? Like really watch it. I mean, there's and that that scene with the um near the end where where he's <laughs> where he's just biding the time. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like that was uh like it, it was it, it worked. You yeah. you know, you keep saying to yourself that it's it's not going to work, but his acting, like the rest of the show, it, it, it worked in the end. It was just like, wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Perfectly said. Just like, wow. Uh, Tony, like, but Tony Dalton, though, you were saying, got to talk about him because he, uh, like, as an actor, like, he was really given, like, you know, the references of the other Salamancas, and he ended up making, like, the most interesting one. Uh, yeah, he, I agree. He really was, like, like the best bad guy, the one yeah. that, like, the only Salamanca that I wanted to, like, watch an entire episode about. No doubt. Um, but, but at the, and he really took the whole, just, equation that the show had been building of, of making characters who were like you know like kind of protagonist but really an antagonist if you thought about it and then you know an antagonist but kind of an old protagonist uh-huh. aka gus uh-huh. you know and this guy was purely an antagonist yeah and you still loved him yep you know it, it, it kind of makes me wonder oh oh if if there was if there was one spinoff like we need another spinoff <laughs> but but it like i think the kettlemans should have a spinoff <laughs> it was so so great to see them come back into this e- either the kettlemans or that guy lyle that's that's yeah. running um los pollos hermanos those those are the two that oh, are yeah. the most worthy of a spinoff <laughs> i think I did. I, I couldn't help thinking about like, is there a spinoff here? Is there more to this universe? And it sounds like Pete and Vince <laughs> are going towards uh, different things and they want to do different projects. So we've been gifted with enough here, but I could not help thinking, is there more to to, to the Breaking Bad uh, universe? But but all in all, um, you know, what it, this show was meant to be. Um, it was conceived originally as maybe a half hour comedy. And then look what we got. I mean, six seasons, 63 episodes, 46 Emmy nods at this point. It's, 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 it's a show that I'm glad we got to celebrate here and 
talk about. So uh, thank you, LP. I really, really appreciate you coming on here and uh, celebrating Better Call Saul uh, season six and the whole show with me. It was fun, man. Better Call Saul. (laughs) We'll be back to do it again soon. And thank you, everybody out there for once again joining the party. Stepping up the grid just to let me know Too many got my time podcast is in the loop the legion of osiris podcasts osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love get in the loop at osirispod.com